that is the focus this morning of our message as we take a little bit of a break here from the Gospel of Luke and a message from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we'll begin the new year with. Don't get caught napping. Now, how many of you actually had a coma after Christmas from all the... Yeah. You, you know that, that feeling that you get after you've had just an amazing meal and you've eaten all the Christmas cookies and the fudge and thank you all for the almond roca and the almond almond roca and the roca car, caramel almond roca and the, you're all responsible for my cardiac condition right now. But you know that coma that you kind of go into after there's been all these great, wonderful things that go on in your life and you just like the next couple of days you kind of sit there like this and you look out the window and all you see is flatlanders for miles. <laughs> And miles and miles. You kind of go into a coma because of all the good. Can I suggest to you this morning that I think maybe the church is in a bit of a coma right now? That we have lived in such wonderful days and such glorious times and been so blessed that perhaps maybe even some of the church is asleep, napping. As I was thinking about what to share, because all the weather and we canceled Wednesday night, I really had intended to share this message on Wednesday, but I believe it is a message for us as we begin the new year. It's time to get out of the coma. And it's time to get busy about our Father's business. I don't know how much time we have, but I do believe with all of my heart in the two and a half decades that I've been serving the Lord Jesus full time, uh, I I believe that the time is close that the Lord's going to come for His church. I believe what our Bible says. And so I believe that it's time for us to get very serious about what the Lord is doing in our lives as we approach a new year. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for the power of Your Word to transform our lives and to encourage us and mold us and shape us. And Father, as we look at this precious letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this little tiny Greek church in Thessaloniki, God, as He gave them encouragement first, that one day you're going to snatch your church home, and then second, that when those birth pangs begin to come, that we know that the end is near. God, we ask You to speak to us by the power of Your Word. We give You this time. Encourage us and strengthen us to receive the message that You have for Your church. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and remember that this is a second coming passage. The previous chapter is a rapture passage. You have the church drawn away, snatched away, taken out by force to meet the Lord in the air. This passage is telling us now get ready. Because we don't know when the Lord's coming back. We know why He's coming though. 
You see, a lot of the church has made the mistake of thinking, ah, we need to know the day. We need to know the hour. We, we, we want to know exactly, and I will tell you why. Because the church, much like people in the world, have tried to stay very near the edge of the fence. They've been complacent. They haven't been serving. And they're really not concerned with the things of God. And I want to ask you a question right now, and I want you to be very honest, and I want you to respond. How many of you in this room this morning know somebody that is either a member of your family, someone you work with, or someone that you know is a friend that does not know the Lord Jesus? Raise your hand. Would you look? Every hand. What are we doing about it? You see, the church isn't built by stealing sheep. The church isn't built by sheep shifting, taking sheep from one body and putting them in another body. The book of Acts says that the Lord added to the church daily them that were saved. That's how the church grows. And that's how His kingdom comes. That's how his kingdom comes, folks. If you want to go home to heaven, let me tell you how to help the Lord. Win people to Christ. And so in light of that, verse 1, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, and I want you to notice the contrast between the you and the they and the them and the we and the us, because it's all throughout these 11 verses. Please note it. It's extremely important, because it's very clear that the difference is saints and ain'ts. Sheep, goats, lost, found, light, darkness. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, mark that phrase, because we know what that is. You've been taught in this church, if you've come here for any length of period of time, you know the day of the Lord is the tribulation. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. It is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back from heaven to earth to deal finitely with this world because of its penchant for sin and principally for what it has done to the nation Israel. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. How many of you have ever had the wonderful experience of being robbed? I have. We have. Did you get a note before it happened? Did someone call you up? Hey, we're going to rob your house tonight. Just wanted to let you know. Of course you didn't. It's not how thieves work. Amen? So I think the inference is quite clear. For when they, notice the they as opposed to the you, for when they say, you know why it's they? Because they are not saved. When they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Notice the contrast again, us and them. Hate to put it to you that way, but that's God's kingdom. There's the us and there's the them. 
There's people who know the Lord, and there are people who don't. And the contrast is strong here. He's not letting us off the hook thinking, well, there's kind of the sort of saints, the maybe saved, the possibly going to make it someday crowd. You're in or you're out. It comes upon them. Why? Because in chapter 4, the church is gone. Harpazo. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so this passage is a precursor for us to realize what's going to be going on at the end of the church age. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. All of you who are parents in this room, can you imagine any husband, honey, can you just hang, please don't have that baby now, I'm watching football. The game's on, I mean, this is an important game, can you just hold up? When the labor pains begin, when those sorrows begin to happen, the baby coming. Amen? Baby's on its way. It's what the pains are for. They're to let you know to get your carcass off the couch, head to the car, go to the hospital. Notice, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You won't be there. If you know the Lord Jesus, God's plan for His church is clear. To use us to bring forth a great harvest of souls, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all men, and our time is done because He has saved us from His wrath. He's not appointed us to it, and we're going to find that next. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day, and we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Notice what it says next. Therefore, in light of, taking into account what's already been said, previously devised truths being held up and examined. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us not nap. Let us not get caught dozing off, sitting in the easy chair, as others do. But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet of hope, of salvation, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him, and therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. I could just quit right now, and I think you guys get it, but let's look at this passage. 
Scripture speaks for itself here. I'll tell you, i got rapturitis hardcore right now. I'm like ready to go in Jesus' name, come get me. But you know why I don't want to go? Because my hand was up. My mom's going to hell. My mom's going to hell. She will not receive the gospel. But she still has breath and can still be saved. Family, what are we doing? We care about a lot of things, and they're not inherently wrong. You're watching football this afternoon. God bless you. But nobody's going to get saved because of who wins the Super Bowl. Nobody's going from death to life because of that. I want you to notice here that the Lord absolutely is a divider. Frankly, I'm sick to death of churches who do nothing but preach the love of God. Why? Because unless you tell people the bad news, they don't know what to do with the good news. It's a wonderful message, and we need to preach the love of God. But if you're not saved, you'll never know the love of God. The Lord divides. We have a truth that cannot be substituted as Christians. That's why the distinction here between the us and the them. Between saints and ain'ts. What are we doing with it? As we look forward, what are we looking forward to? Jesus said in John 17, there in the 16th verse, they are not of the world, speaking of us, the disciples, even as I am not of this world. This world is not our home, folks. You're not of this world people. You're people of the light, you're not people of the darkness. And so the Apostle points out contrasts in this passage, and I want to spend some time this morning simply looking at these things. Notice the first contrast. Can you, can you see it? We're saying goodbye to a year. There's believers, there's unbelievers. Knowledge versus ignorance. You guys realize you have the truth. You're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have knowledge the world desperately needs. And they have ignorance that is blinding them. And we need to get busy about our Father's business. And it's not to say that the wonderful social things that we do don't have some import. They do. But if at the end of the day we've not won anyone to Christ then I wonder about our effectiveness in this world. If all we've made is a nice place for us to come congregate and to get fat and happy spiritually, and we are not winning souls to Christ, then we have missed our mission. And so he says, notice three things here. 
times and seasons. Daniel used this phrase. The Lord himself used this, this phrase. God has ordained times and seasons. And I believe the season of the church is about up. And I realize that I myself have been alive long enough to preach that Jesus is coming soon for a long time. But can I tell you that God does not mark time like we do? He doesn't check in with me. He doesn't ask me what day it is. He simply made me aware of the times and the seasons. And the fig tree has blossomed. And the world is at odds with God's people. He references the day of the Lord here. It's used over 80 times in Scripture. And it always refers to a time of the Lord's specific doing, and over 90% of the time it refers to one event. Daniel's final week, Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation. I think the church has lost a holy reverence for the fact that God isn't going to let this go on forever. He's not going to play around a whole lot longer. He's not going to let this sin-filled, wretched earth keep going the direction it's going in forever. Remember in our study in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2 gives us this picture of the day of the Lord, and Joel chapter 3 tells us exactly why. For behold, these days, in that time, I will bring back Judah and Jerusalem, and I'll gather the nations of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and there I will judge them for what they have done to my heritage Israel, what they've done to my people, how they have scattered them, and they have divided my land. We know why it's going to happen. The question is, do we believe it, or are we napping? Are we serious about our faith? This day is also called the day of Jacob's trouble. Amos speaks of it. Zephaniah speaks of it. Isaiah speaks of it. Revelation chapter 6 to 19 speaks of it. It's going to happen. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the time and the seasons. We know because the Lord Jesus himself told us what the world would look like. You remember, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be when the Son of Man comes. As it was in the days of Lot, it will be in the day of the Lord. You can't watch a program anymore on television without there being the token homosexual. You can't. You can't even watch the news. Stuffed in the face of the 98.6% of us 
that are not gay. The Lord told us what the world would look like. Are we napping? Because if we can't see it, I would suggest to you that we're napping. And notice he says, He'll come as a thief in the night. So he links these three things together as to what the world would look like and how it will happen. And so this first contrast, knowledge versus ignorance. Family of God, we know. We are not ignorant of the things of the last days. The second contrast, notice verses 3 to 5. Great expectancy versus great surprise. You see, for me, for us, I'm expecting Jesus to come get the church. I believe it's going to happen. And what he says here is, when that's going to happen, is in the world's time frame, the world will be going, look how awesome we are. We have finally solved all this religious insanity because we now have a one world religion. We've finally done away with all war because we have a one world government. And oh, by the way, all that poverty, we're doing away with it because we're going to have a one world monetary system. The enemy is at work accomplishing those very things right now. If you cannot see the move towards globalism, if you cannot see the move towards ecumenism, if you cannot see the move towards a single world economy, you are blind as a brickbat. I don't even know what a brickbat is. I guess it's a bat made out of bricks, and they probably won't have eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the way the world's going. There are nothing but global solutions. We have global problems. We need to solve them globally. Can I tell you that the Antichrist will be that solution? And shortly before he arrives, the church is gone. And when the church is gone, the world will say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. The aliens finally came and got him. Those rotten, lousy, mean-spirited, intolerant Christians. By the way, Jesus was the most intolerant person that ever walked the face of the earth in that sense. Because he said, he said, you are either for me or you are against me. If that's not divisive, I don't know what it is. What are we doing with it? Are we napping? You see, because it's going to come upon the world, they're going to be surprised. We were doing so good. I mean, look at what we've accomplished. I mean, we've managed to have a Palestinian state. God doesn't follow our calendar. He is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but He is not willing that any should perish. Peter said, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he's waiting. 
Are we living with eternity's values in view, folks? Are we? What birth pangs have happened this year? Where are we? I started putting this together at the beginning of the year. I finally had to throw away my entire file because in the last three weeks enough stuff happened that we couldn't possibly even touch it with regard to Israel. You see, that's the time clock. Because Joel said that's why Jesus is coming again. So all we need to do is look to the nation Israel. Eight days ago, senior Palestinian officials wanting to create a Palestinian state put a resolution before the UN to do that without anyone's permission. We're going to make the state of Palestine. That was vetoed, by the way, by the United States. Praise God. Praise God. However, it didn't stop there. Now, Mahmoud Abbas, who, by the way, is told what to do by Hamas, which the U.S. State Department says is a terrorist organization, has now put forth a resolution to take the nation Israel before the war crimes court at The Hague because of what they did over the summer in responding to the nearly five and a half thousand rockets that were launched into Israel. Without provocation, I might add, they allowed over 1,100 of them to be launched before they ever responded. Now, I can tell you how many rockets are going to come from Tijuana before we respond with the 7th Fleet out of San Diego. One. One. That's how many rockets get launched from Tijuana towards the United States before the U.S. parks a carrier battle group off the coast of Mexico and says, if you do that again, we will blow you off the face of the earth. But somehow, after the 1100th rocket gets launched towards Israel, the world comes unglued. And somehow thinks that we need to back Palestinian statehood. And again, let me remind you, it was the Romans who invented the land of Palestine. The Flavian Empire is responsible for the name, and they did that to wipe out the Jewish hold on the Holy Lands. So we don't want a Jewish state, so we'll make it Palestine. This is a place where everyone can go. What's been happening in our world? Our Secretary of State, God bless John Kerry, And I said that somewhat sarcastically, but we need to pray for our leaders. Your Bible says so. It's trying to broker a peace agreement that God said won't ever happen until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes. And the more we try and divide the land of Israel, the more we persecute the Jewish people, the more that happens, the sooner the Lord's coming. A week ago, Hamas is now 
Remember, a terrorist organization that does not authorize even the word Jew to be used in Jerusalem has now said the Jewish people are banned from the Temple Mount. Why? Because it is the Grand Mufti, the Islamic Imam, who controls the Temple Mount. It's now off limits. Jews can't go there, period. Last time I looked, my Bible says that Jerusalem is God's holy city. It is the capital of the nation of Israel, and even our own government does not recognize it as the capital. The United States of America believes the capital of Israel is Tel Aviv. God says something very different. And now the Jews are not allowed to even worship in their own capital city. And in fact, just eight days ago, President Mahmoud Abbas calls on all Palestinians to take Jerusalem and the West Bank territory, all lands, and I'm quoting, in the 1967 war, for the Al-Aqsa rioters, for they have the right to defend themselves. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is on the Temple Mount. The president of Palestine is saying the Jews have no right to worship at the Temple Mount and that the rioters have the right to take back the land. It doesn't sound like somebody who's brokering a peace deal to me. Probably many of you know, some of you don't. In the last three weeks, there's a secret State Department deal that's in the works between the U.S. and Iran to put forth an agreement whereby the U.S. allows limited refinement of fissile nuclear materials. John Kerry is at the center of it, and he has been meeting and continues to meet with top Iranian officials so that they do not have to any longer impose sanctions upon Iran. That's death to Israel. A fourth thing. I don't know how many of you are students of the Second World War. I do not know how many of you understand what the Reichmark did to the Jewish people. I don't know how many of you know the major players, but I can tell you Heinrich Himmler was the architect of the final solution. He's the one who came up with the wonderful idea of gassing 6.5 million Jewish people. And yet, here in our country, we are going to dignify the kinder, gentler Heinrich Himmler story called The Decent One about how wonderful a father he was and how caring a person he was. And that is going to be the subject of a possible Oscar nomination. God forbid that anyone is blind enough to mock what happened to the Jewish people to call Heinrich Himmler a hero. Lovable family man. 
the whole reason that Mahmoud Abbas is taking the Jewish people before the criminal court, international criminal court in La Hague, was in fact the 50 days of Operation Protective Edge. When that whole thing started, as I shared with you, more than 1,100 rockets were launched before Israel did anything. Nothing. They simply intercepted them and allowed them to land harmlessly in farm fields where they had an opportunity to say, this is where this rocket's going. By the time it was all done, more than 3,660 rocket impact sites were in the nation of Israel. Four thousand five hundred and sixty of those were launched after Israel said no more. Almost five thousand rockets were launched after Israel plastered leaflets and said, Don't do this anymore. We're not putting up with it. We're not going there. We are going to destroy your rocket sites. All of us saw the pictures of the schools. But what all of us didn't see was the gun camera footage of the secondary explosions to where those schools blew up, not because of the smart bombs that were used, but because of the rockets that were stored inside the schools, including UN schools. And as Prime Minister Netanyahu wisely said, the difference between us and you is that we use our weapons to protect our citizens. You use your citizens as weapons. What also was not put forth in the news is the 8,950 tons of relief aid that went into the Gaza Strip from Israel. Medicine, food, water, communications equipment, even portable Schools for the ones that were blown up. And the world says, ah, these rotten Jews. Family of God, your Bible is very clear as to why the tribulation is going to come. And preceding that is the rapture of the church. Just less than a month ago, Israel engaged in an airstrike inside of the borders of Syria, destroying over 400 SA-25 surface-to-air missiles, the very latest of the Soviet surface-to-air defenses. The reason they did that was to protect our planes flying over the area, enforcing the no-fly zone over Syria and Turkey. One you probably haven't also heard about. In the last two weeks, Israel has begun negotiations with Saudi Arabia. Obviously, not their biggest friend. There is a deal in the works. I have some of the details of it, and this comes directly from the IDF. It's actually been partially reported in the London Times just shortly before Christmas. King Abdullah has agreed to allow... Israeli warplanes to use airfields in Saudi Arabia for an attack on Iran. 
They've also agreed to use their AWACS, their Airborne Early Warning System, as well as support fueling capabilities in any attack that's launched against the Iranian nuclear facilities. And there's a reason for it. Benjamin Netanyahu said the survival of the nation Israel rests on Iran never getting a nuclear weapon. We will not stand for them even getting close, he said last week. That deal will be signed this week in Geneva. What that means, I don't know. But I know what my Bible says. That we know the times and the seasons. And we know why. In light of that, notice how this passage wraps up. Soberness versus drunkenness, and therefore let us not sleep as others do. Notice how he puts the picture back on the world. It's like the world is like one big party, amen? It's crazy. I, I mean, sadly, there are a lot of Christians who, who know more about micro-brews than they do the king of the Jews, and certainly the good news. Isn't that true? I actually got a copy of an invite to Carol and Brews in Redlands. We're just going to hang out and sing, sing Christmas carols and toss back a few pints. If you're here this morning and you think God is pleased by that, shame on you as a Christian. Shame on you. Because God is not okay with us defaming his character by associating his holy name with a bar. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. But I'm sticking to what God told me to say. We need to be different than the world. We do not need to look like the world. We need to be so different that the world comes running to us when they're looking for answers. You don't have to engage in the things that the world engages in simply so that you can be relevant. I'm going to ask the elders to begin to pass out the elements of communion. It's time for us to, to wake up. We, can't, we need to be sober. There, there's a false security that the world is undertaking right now. And frankly, they're living in a false paradise. The blessed hope of our Lord's return is the only hope. Amen? You see, people are sleeping. And they don't need to be lulled to sleep. They need to be brought near. They need to be told the truth. And so he says, look, there's a difference here. Salvation versus judgment. Think about it. That's the two types of people on this earth. The saved and the unsaved. Those who are sons and daughters of the light and those who walk in darkness.
What's Christmas all about? Isn't it Emmanuel? Isn't that what we learned? That those who were once walking in great darkness have seen an even greater light is what your Bible actually says. And we're the bearers of that light. People are going to perish if the Lord comes back today. People are going to perish if the Lord comes back today. Now, maybe they'll make it through the tribulation. It's possible. But your Bible says that is so difficult that it says it would be better that you were never born. Now, I don't know about you. I, I don't even know what it likes to go, is like to go through something that's so bad that it'd be better that I was never born. But that's what your Bible says about people trying to survive through the tribulation. I don't think I want that for my friends and family. Worship team's going to come back up as well. You see, I know a couple of things, and the nature of the church tells me that because we are the bride of Christ, I don't see the Lord, who is the head of the bride of Christ, punishing his bride while he's the head. So I don't plan on being here. I plan on being home in heaven. I plan on being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But family of God, we got some work to do. We have some work to do going forward into 2015. The elements that you now hold in your hand were purchased with the very blood and body of God's own Son. Jesus surrendered His life up a ransom for many. This is, this is not some cheap matzo cracker and some grape juice. This represents the remembrance of Him. You see, Paul finishes this passage by encouraging us in a few things. Look, we're, we're not going to go through this wrath because that was designed for God's enemies. It was designed for the nations of the world who will not repent. It was not designed for you. It was not designed for me. It was not designed for the church. This saved you from it. His blood paid the price. He is our propitiation. That word, best understood, means price paid. He paid it. No reason for us to put a, be put through the wrath of God. Price has been paid. Do we deserve to go through the Yes, of course. I do. Maybe you don't. I do. I deserve to go through the wrath of God. But I never will. Not because I'm worthy. Because He's worthy. Not because I earned it, because He delivered it to me. Not because I paid my own way, He paid my way for me. And so verse 10 says, He who died for us. Do you believe that this morning? He who died for us. Whether we wake or whether we sleep. Whether you're here now or whether you went on before. 
I don't know what my brother Steve's doing in heaven right now. I don't know what Pastor Chuck's doing in heaven right now. I don't know what the Lord's doing with them right now. But I know they've already passed from this life to the next. And I know what my Bible says about heaven. In His presence is the fullness of joy. We've been saved from what God is going to allow to happen to this earth. So much so that He says this world one day will melt like wax. But the good news, behold, all things will become new. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. No more sorrow, no more pain. But right now there are people on this earth in sorrow and in pain. And you have the answer. And his name is Jesus. Wherever we are, we live with Him. And it's such an encouragement to us. And so as we hold these elements, because of His blood, because of His body, you're not going through the tribulation. Because of His blood, because of His body, we're going to heaven one day. Because of His blood, And because of His body, you have forgiveness of sin right now. Because of His blood, because of His body, you have eternal life in you now. Because of His blood, because of His body, you have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling you now. Now looking forward into the new year, If that's not a gift worth giving, I don't know what is. And I want to encourage you. Tell someone about Jesus this year. Let them know what He did. Let them know what He saved. Use the news headlines as a way to speak to them about what they think on eternal life. It's an easy subject to to talk to people about. People care about such things. What do you think? And then tell them what you know. And it was after that supper that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, Take eat. For this is my body that is broken for you. Let's partake together. And I will share with you next Sunday as we continue in Luke. It was after supper that he took the cup. There were two cups before. And a third cup was served right after the meal. And that third cup was the cup of joy. You see, the first cup was in bondage. The third cup was in salvation. 
It was after the meal that he took the cup and he himself drank from it. And he said, this cup is a new covenant. My blood shed for the remission of sin as often as you drink of it you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. Shall we pray? Father, we have no excuse. The price has been paid, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you offered up your life a ransom for us. But you declared, Jesus, that it is finished. The wrath of God against all sin, born on you. Your blood shed in our place. Your body broken instead of ours. And we thank you. God, as we step forward into this new year, would you take us and mold us and shape us into the incorruptible image of Jesus. Make us just a little more like you. God, we beg you to save those who are lost, God. Help us to be gospel-minded, disciple-makers, Lord. We pray for those that we know this morning that should the trumpet sound and should we who are alive and remain meet you in the air, Lord, they would be stuck trying to fight their way through the time of Jacob's trouble. God, we want that for no one, not even our enemies do we want to go through that time. Anoint us, Lord, with the balm of Gilead, the healing balm of Gilead, to bring the gospel, the good news. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you, Jesus. Help us to be worthy of the honor that you've bestowed by putting your treasure in us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?